Well, hello, this is Gary, and you're listening to Thinking Out Loud. This podcast recorded August 13th, 2021. Today will be a bit of a update on the state of things. I suppose it would be considered in the scope of politics, but I don't know. It's strange the things that kind of get globbed into politics, you know. It's it's more like any discussion about the realities of life in the country end up becoming political. So it's very weird, you know. Up to and including, you know, an airborne illness, you know. Going global, you know, killing millions of people. Hundreds of thousands of people die in this country alone. But any discussion of that becomes political. Very weird, you know. Um, but it's it's where we're at. So the update as of you know August 13, 2021. Still, really, only two options. Um, really, at least that's how it's presented in the media for political representation in the United States of America. Uh, the most diverse country in the history of human civilization. We basically have two options, and they are the Democratic Party, whose mascot is a donkey, and the Republican Party, whose mascot is the elephant. Um, and that, that's really it. There are other political parties. There really are. Uh, Green Party, Constitutionalist, Libertarian, um, I already say Constitutionalist, Socialist Party. It's also the ones that are a little bit even more extreme than socialism too, but uh, there's lots of ones that, you know, I mean, there's a lot on the ballot, but news presents us two options. The media has presented us two options. And when laws are being proposed in Congress and Senate, it's being proposed very much in that manner, bipartisan. You know, the two options that we are presented both approve of this bill. And, and therefore, that means it's supposed to be good somehow. Um, but the, neither of the two options is really all that great, but specifically the the Republican Party option is just not very good. Uh, many of its most high-ranking members, uh, Ron DeSantis, Marco Rubio, Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, Lindsey Graham, Jim Jordan, uh, Matt Gates have discovered that the best way for them to hold on to power and to stay in office and to get reelected is to lie, uh, to be unethical, to be immoral, uh, to promote ignorance. Yep. That gives them the best chance of getting reelected. And, it, and a lot of it has to do with what's called gerrymandered districts, which is when districts are kind of carved through cities and stuff um, to make these sort of, really, they're, they're unnatural districts. They're not representing a true region, you know. Um, but it gets tricky trying to represent metropolitan areas. Um, in my opinion, metropolitan areas should be one district, and that one district, the people in that district, the citizens of that one metropolitan area 
would get the vote for the number of representatives accordingly. You know. So yes, if you live in a metropolitan area, you're going to be voting for more people, but that's only because you live in a metropolitan area. There's more people there, so you need to vote for more people. You know, that so you still only have like one you only have one vote, one ballot, but on your ballot you would have like there'd be a bunch of people running and you'd have to click the, you know, vote for the appropriate number. You know, I suppose it would get a little cumbersome, but there's something off with the House of Representatives, but there's also something off with the Senate, too. Both are imperfectly perfect or whatever, uh, and then supposedly if you combine them, it makes it, like, more democratic or something, but it's kind of clunky. Uh, and it was meant to be, but you got to kind of fix it a little bit because the Republican Party is representing the vocal minority of the populace um, which refers to themselves as the silent majority um, but but they're they're not uh, they're a vocal minority they're very proud supporters of of ignorance and fear and hatred and Leaders of the Republican Party have realized that exploiting people's fears and hatreds can allow them to hold on to power. Yeah, And the leaders of the Republican Party have made it very clear over the last four years that that is their objective, is to hold on to power, and, and that's it. They are not in government to try and make government work for the people. Uh, they're not in government to try and make government really do anything good in any way really what they're there for is to be powerful and to have power that, that's it yeah the main thing the Republican Party does with their power is cut taxes for the wealthy and cut taxes for corporations since a airborne illness has come and has killed over 500,000 people they've made it a duty to prevent healthcare professional professionals from doing what they need to do to protect the citizens of an area. And, that, and again, the Republican Party leadership has found that the best way for them to get reelected is to ban the use of mask mandates. You know, <clears throat> to prevent local and state governments from, or and, and city government, you know, local city governments and school districts and stuff, to prevent them from doing the things they need to do to prevent, to help, you know, keep the people in the area safe. The Republican Party has found that, that that'll, they think it'll give them a better shot at getting elected. And, and that's why they're doing what they're doing. Because yeah. they don't really care, really, as an organization at all, about the quality of life of the people of the United States of America. You know, case in point, or in many cases, many examples, they nominated Donald Trump. They're banning mask mandates. They are saying that the coronavirus isn't real. They're confusing people. They're spreading ignorance, even though people are dying at an increased rate right now. Um, too many people did not get vaccinated and then just started 
traveling around and stuff, thinking it was all over, and there was a Delta variant. You know, the, the virus was able to linger longer than it should have. Yeah. And so it mutated. And so it's something like 99% of the people that are going to hospitals now are unvaccinated. Maybe it was 95. And that 5% is probably people who are only partially vaccinated. Um, the people who are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, are 99.999% inoculated from the coronavirus. Yeah. But the Republican Party leadership has found that their best shot at getting reelected is to confuse people or, or to say that, you know, requiring people to do what they need to do to protect themselves and other people and keep people safe and prevent people from dying. And doing that is um, encroaching on freedom. Meanwhile, the Republican Party is certainly all for, um, you know, anti-drug laws and, and sort of keeping cannabis as a Schedule One drug while still calling themselves the party of individual liberty. It's very confusing. Uh, and that's because the Republican Party as an organization, specifically its leadership, stands for nothing. And they're really, they're getting, it's amazing at how out in the open and bold and in our faces they are about it anymore. They've been able to get away with it for so long, so overtly, and people keep voting for them regular working-class people. And so, just like Donald Trump, where he was rewarded for being a bad person, the, Don the Republican Party as an organization has continued to be rewarded by working-class people for making laws that do not benefit working-class people. They just don't. Wealthy people get more money. Large corporations get more money, which they then use to pay dividends to those same wealthy people and to give executives to the bonuses to the executives. The working, you know, people of that corporation, the actual boots on the ground, the employees, they're, they're not going to get any of that. No. Now, their cost of living may go up too, though, but their income is not. And some of those employees may just get let go if the corporation has a lower tax rate. But that's what that organization does. That's what they are. And, and again, they're doing it fully out in the open. And the, way they're the reason they're able to get away with it is this thing called political rhetoric. Those Republican leaders are real good at pulling on, at manipulating, really, certain segments of the, of the working class population that is susceptible to certain types of propaganda, you know, the, the people who watch a lot of Fox News, you know, they can be kind of told things and made to believe things, and those people will be convinced wholeheartedly that voting for Jim Jordan, Marco Rubio, Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, Donald Trump, is somehow going to make America better, you know. All the while, America continues to descend. You know, every time there's this, you know, there's madness. It, every it seems like just about every time there's a Democrat, but there, there's like a slow, steady rise. It's slow though, but it's kind of steady. Whenever there's the Republican, it's like 
an immediate like collapse almost. Shit starts happening. There's a breakdown. In the beginning, the Republican Party is being ever more bold about it. In 2016, when they nominated Donald John Trump, Donald Trump, John Trump, although not using the word, was running as a fascist. He was promoting fascism. There was many people like myself back then that were trying to get the word out on it. I wasn't strong or bold enough, I guess. I just made some posts on Facebook and stuff. One time I just simply put a link on my Facebook to Webster's definition of fascism, you know, around the time that he was running and got a lot of heat from Trump supporters, even though I didn't even mention Donald Trump's name. They just knew. Well, obviously, but that's not what he is. But obviously, there's, you're clearly referencing Donald Trump because you just gave a link to a word and what its definition is. Obviously, you're talking about Trump then. But that's the thing. It was so obvious that the people supporting him weren't fooling anybody. You know, it's like, you got to respect my political beliefs. I, I, I can't. You know, because your political belief is that no one should be allowed to have a differing political belief. So that's, I mean, yeah, we're getting into some weird nuance of democracy where you do have freedom of speech and, and right to really believe whatever you want. However, if you cer pursue certain beliefs strongly enough, it could certainly infringe upon the rest of us our right, our, our right to exist, you know. So you can think that Trump is awesome and stuff, but if he actually got gets elected, which he did, well, then you're talking about suppressing freedom. You know, you're talking about, you know, punishing certain people or sort of limiting certain people's freedom simply because of what they look like, what their religion is, or where their country of origin is from, or because they're trying to immigrate here. You know, suddenly they become some kind of criminal or something, or treated as such, simply because of what they look like. You know, fascism is very oppressive, and it's also corrupt, and it's also caters almost entirely to a affluent elite class. Yes, 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 all of those are what Donald Trump engaged in in his four years. It was overt, in-your-face fascism. The, way, the main reason he, I think he was able to get away with it um, along of his, among a lot of his supporters, I think, is because he's such an idiot. He's kind of a clown. It's kind of hard to take him seriously. But he was a fascist. He was very much an aspiring fascist, an admirer of Mussolini, Kim Jong-un, Putin, Duarte from the Philippines. He loves dictators. He thinks they're awesome. That, that's not a thing. You know, that, that's not like a made-up thing. He, he's a deep admirer of people who are cruel and vicious and violently oppressive to their own population. He thought that those types of people are what he wanted to aspire to. And he boldly declared it as he was running. And people within the United States of America who have the right to free speech, the right to vote, the right to assemble, the right to freedom of religion, freedom of the press, all that, 
voted for Donald Trump in 2016. And it, even though he did not win the what should be the true election, he, he lost by about 5 million. His opponent got about 5 million more votes than he did. That's not how we run our country. And so circling around, I guess, some of those imperfections in our democracy were kind of cute and kind of, um, you know, whatever, kind of interesting little mechanics of a country that was only the east coast of what is now the United States. You know, when it was 13 colonies in the 18th century, that's one thing. But when it's 50 states of huge, massive differences in population, you know, you have some states whose entire population is less than the fifth biggest city in another state, you know, like, you know, there's, um, there's an, an extreme unequalness and some of the states are not, they're clearly defined on a map, but they're not really that. They're imaginary lines in the middle of nowhere. And so North Dakota and South Dakota have a total of four votes in the Senate. But there's fewer people in those two states combined than there is in the city of Los Angeles. You know, like, but California has two. You know, North Dakota and South Dakota have a combined four votes. No, North Dakota and South Dakota are not one state, but oh, just like Western and Eastern Washington are not two different states, but they probably should be, you know, Western Oregon and Eastern Oregon, Northern and Southern California. There's a lot of the Western states that were kind of created, if you will, much later. Many of the North Pacific Northwest was part of the Oregon Territory, and some of the lines are not natural. You know, they're imaginary lines in the middle of nowhere. So this creates a weird imbalance in representation. So the Electoral College, it needs to be gotten rid of because we already have the sort of unequal, equal, whatever representation in the Senate. Every single state gets two senators, no regardless of the size, population, whatever. And then... We have the House of Representatives, which is also not very equal because you will have areas where there isn't a way to carve up a metropolitan area in just the right way, really. Unless there's Bronx, I mean, New York City probably could, where each of the each of the five boroughs is one district. Each you know, each borough is one district, and then each of the people living in that district in that borough would vote for the appropriate number of representatives. I'm not sure that's how New York does it, if each borough is one district, but that seems like that's how it should be, and then the rest of New York would be divvied up accordingly. Some states would be just one huge massive district that is the sort of quote-unquote rural area, you know, with maybe a little pocket here that's an actual bigger city, but that's not how it works, and so because of some of those inefficiencies, a, a clearly unqualified candidate in 2016 who lost, and lost badly, still became president anyway. And the reality is there's no margin of victory too great that would overrule. But we were getting close to it. You know, there was civil unrest that is 
continued throughout the time of Trump because he lost, you know? As much as the people that supported him call themselves the silent majority, n no, I'm sorry. You're, you were not the majority. The majority of the country did not vote for Trump. You know, the majority of the people voting in 2016 voted for Clinton. Now, percentage-wise, it was very close. Total vote-wise, it wasn't close at all, 5 million. More than the population of many of the states that voted for Trump. You know, so that has to be fixed because it allowed Trump to get into office. Somehow he got even more votes in 2021. And somehow the one of the two options, the Republican Party, is still to this day in August 2021 after Trump, Trump's company was indicted, after Trump's CFO was indicted on fraud charges and many other things, after Trump was impeached twice, after he abused his power as president, after he will go down as just an embarrassment to the presidency. Forget just being the worst president ever. It, it's a, can our country move on from it? It's a pivot point, you know. We were trying to, we made some steady upward progress. There were some slips along the way during the previous eight years, but overall, you know, foot in the door type stuff to lay some groundworks for, for basic human rights later. We made some, made some progress. Obamacare wasn't perfect, but it was a foot in the door, a toenail in the door, of laying the foundation for health care as a right. Not Medicare for all, not Medicaid for all, no, 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 no. Health care as a right. Meaning, you have the appropriate number of hospitals and hospital staff to take care of the population in the area. We take a census every 10 years, so we know within, you know, a certain margin of error what the population is at any given time. Hospitals, I'm sure, will have people that kind of study that kind of stuff. What are people, how many people are in the area? Where are they commonly getting sick from? What's going on? And kind of keeping dibs on that. So healthcare as a right would mean if you get sick, get injured, you need hospital care, you would go to a hospital and get treated and, and then go on with your life. So that's, that's universal health care, just purely health care as a right. When people jump to, that's going to cost too much. Oh, no, we're, we're paying a lot for it now because there's a profit thing in there. Yeah, health insurance and all this kind of stuff. Each, it, it's a purely almost capitalistic thing. There's not really... Healthcare professionals end up having to worry about, you know, bringing in money instead of purely focusing on solely taking care of the patient, which should be their only objective. That healthcare professionals should be focused on healing people, and that's it. That, that is what they do for a profession. However... There's whole departments within hospitals that take care of charging the health insurance companies, working back and forth, and trying to collect money, you know. And then there's, of course, the insurance companies, which are for-profit businesses. Their objective is to earn a profit. Yeah. 
So healthcare as a right kind of eliminates some of those middlemen, that unnecessary overhead. Yeah. Combined with universal health care, you certainly uh, decriminalize, take off the list of Schedule One drugs, plants. You know, anything that's a plant sh- should not be a banned substance. Yeah. So I think universal health care combined with access to any sort of plant that you need that may be a, a better, more holistic option to various chemical drugs think this would be a good thing. I certainly think it would help a lot of things in the healthcare industry. But healthcare as a right, again, just to be clear, means that when you get sick or injured or you need medical assistance, you would go and get it or it would come to you and you'd be treated and then and then you'd be discharged. And and that's it. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Who cares? No, no. It, it's covered. We're a big first world country. We, we, we can cover the cost of a hospital. Yeah. In fact, we can cover the cost of thousands of hospitals across the country. No problem. We could easily do that. We're a first world industrialized country. Yes, we can certainly provide health care to our people. We can certainly afford it. You know, there's 2% of the population that are extravagantly wealthy. There is massive amounts of money being generated in this economy. The Republican Party likes to brag about it all the time, about how the GDP is growing all the time. Dow Jones Industrial Average going up, 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 up. Well, in order for all those things to happen, there has to be millions and millions of working class people busting their ass year in, year out to generate profits for the corporation that they're working for. No, yes, most of those working class people are not going to get much of anything of the actual profits. They'll get kind of a, you know, a good steady living allowance to help make sure that the executives of the corporation they're working for can live an extravagant life. But here's the thing. Marginal tax, estate tax, wealth tax, all those kind of things that would only affect about 2% of the population has zero effect on those people's way of life. That's awesome, you know. Those wealthy people would still be wealthy. Yeah. Even if they have to pay all three of those taxes, they'd be okay. They'll do all right. But yes, we would be generating shit tons of money to help pay for the costs of hospitals, to make sure that we have the appropriate number of hospitals and healthcare staff, healthcare professionals, to take care of our population when we get sick or injured and need medical assistance. I think that'd be a pretty awesome thing. Yeah. Because we already have those people. We already have healthcare professionals. We already have people who aspire to be that. We have children today who are someday going to be taking care of me when I'm old. You know? So that, that, that would be a good thing if when people get sick, they can go get healthcare treatment. Yeah. Now, what are the health insurance companies going to do? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't care. <laughs> who cares? It's just a company. The people doing that, they can switch to a different form of insurance. You know, there's certainly disability income insurance, you know. That's maybe that. Maybe just switch to regular life insurance. Insurance is still going to be around. It's protection. But as far as health insurance, paying a premium so that you can have the right to pay less money when you, have a, when you go to the hospital would no longer be necessary if, you're, if you don't get bills when you go to a hospital. Yeah. 
eventually the total costs would go down because if when the population is allowed to get treatment when they need it, well, then you you catch things quicker, too. You know, you eliminate certain possible issues early. You know, that saves on costs later, you know. Less needed surgeries and stuff like that. The other thing with, uh, you know, b a better way to go type thing than the Republican Party is free education. And again, we already have publicly funded schools. This is already a thing. It's just expanding it a smidge. And we already have publicly funded universities. Yeah. So this, again, just kicking it up a slight notch instead of people having to borrow money and go into debt so that they can continue their education just allow them to continue their education some people may stop at 12th grade some people might want to keep going for a bit okay so let them it, it's pretty easy really again public universities are already being funded Public universities have other sources of income besides tuition, so they'll be fine. Yeah, the individual student going to the school, why did they need to have to shell out their own money to go? Like, it seems unnecessary. Fund public universities, and if public universities need money beyond that, they have various other sources of revenue to pay for the costs they deem necessary like the salaries of the people running the school and such, you know, and various infrastructure costs and all those sort of things. Yeah, there's a lot of money that goes into running a university. But there's a fair amount of fluff, too, and their focus should be on providing an education to the people that are seeking higher education. Yeah, so you apply to... For me, it would have been, you know, the University of Oregon was always my dream school. I went to a community college in my hometown, Sketchup Valley College. Parents paid for that first couple of years. And then from then on, I was on financial aid, Central Washington University. And then I graduated from Eastern Washington University. Both of those are publicly funded universities. They do get public funding, you know, federal aid. But I had to borrow money, and the money I borrowed, most of it went directly to that school. And that and those schools and those schools, along with you know thousands of other students who got financial aid, use that money to well, do all kinds of things, making ver various investments and such. You know, the money that the federal government gave them. Yeah, so it's just kind of tweaking a bit because the federal government has already paid the money out. Eastern Washington University has already used the money to make various capital improvements on the campus uh, and the school is now a much bigger campus and fancier than it was when I went there. It's, it's neat to go back. Lots of new buildings, a new football stadium. Now of course the school's dean within the last couple of years was talking about banning or uh, stopping the football program <laughs> after millions of dollars invested in a new stadium and such, you know, but so it goes. Um, I think free education is just a sensible thing, you know. Why not? 
I, I don't really understand the arguments against. Higher education doesn't equal more money necessarily. You know, and why, does, why should people have to go into debt to get an education? Because again, the education doesn't necessarily equate to paying off a massive debt. You know? I don't think I'll, most likely, I mean, you never know, but highly doubtful I'll ever be able to pay off that debt. Uh, when I graduated college, it was 50000 Now it's 80000 And that's with making payments for a good eight years or so. But then, you know, income kind of dried up, went to a point that was not able to really make the minimum payment. And then years went by. I mean, you know. That experience is long in my past. Graduated college 16 years ago, but that's a debt I'm going to carry for the rest of my life to going, possibly, because I went to a public university. You know, the federal government gave that money, gave money to that school, on my behalf or something. You know, I borrowed quote unquote the money from the federal government, but the federal government paid that money directly to the school. And whatever money the school didn't use right away for twi various tuition and fees, I was given a refund, of which I used to buy my books for the quarter, and then also food and rent to live on campus for a quarter. And did that every quarter. Well, it'd be nice if the only portion I was responsible for was the portion that I actually received, but that's not how we do it. Our system is one in which you're kind of, we do have a socioeconomic ladder, and if you're born into a certain rung, it's going to be tougher. It just is. There's going to be more deliberate weight put on you to try and climb your way out. The higher you up on the rung, the less you have to do to maintain your spot. And so really, if you're born into a certain upper rung, you can just kind of coast through if you want. You know, it's really hard to get knocked down. It's presented sometimes as the opposite, but that's more if you're on the tippy-tippy top. You know, you, you're the best at something. That's, you know, when you're competing and stuff, like, um, then it's a little tougher to stay on top or something. But when you're just born into the upper echelons of society, the top 2%, if you feel like going to a, a prestigious university, you could kind of just go, you know such as the case with Donald Trump, person who inherited $400 million. He was never a very good student or very bright or anything like that, but he did go to, you know, an elite university, the University of Pennsylvania, business, Wharton School of Business. But he was not an exceptional student in any way or anything like that, nor was I, for that matter, at Eastern Washington University, kind of a regular student. I enjoyed myself, had a good time, was in college for seven years. It was a blast. But, again, a debt I'm going to be paying off for the rest of my life. Better things, too, investment in renewable energy and universal basic income. Universal basic income would be basic, very basic. And most people would deem it inadequate and so would work. How much money those people can work is up to them and between them and their employer, you know. There would be no cap on earnings in the system I'm describing, free education, free health care, universal basic income, and uh, investment in renewable energy. 
There's no cap on earnings, so it is not socialism. Nope. Sorry. That, that, that's something different. That's something where kind of everyone makes the same amount of money and... No. No, 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 no. Um, most things in the economy would still be choice and, and such. And even when it comes to healthcare, there would be such an investment in healthcare that there would most likely be a fair abundance in options just for which hospital you want to go to. You can kind of choose if you want. Yeah. Where do you want to seek your treatment at? Yeah. Because there would still be various awards and things that medical professionals can earn and hospitals and stuff. There's still going to be certain, like, all that sort of thing. There's still... You know, the the most respected things and all that sort of thing. All that sort of continues, you know. So there still would be some people like, I want to go to that particular hospital, you know. And so that's what you would do. But no, you wouldn't get a bill when you left. Now, the best things about the, those kind of things is it just, it, it allows a little bit more steady foundation and allows a little bit more of our society, our country, to be a a society in a country, a first world country, instead of a group of competing city-states or, or, you know, and a sort of a kill or be killed, everybody against everybody type thing, you know. Um, it, it could be something much different, something much better. Could be. Um, people in the top 2% that would be paying marginal taxes, estate taxes, and wealth taxes, they'd still be fine. They, their way of life would still be extremely extravagant. Yeah. Even if they had to pay a 70% tax on all, all earnings above $10 million in a year, it doesn't really matter. You know, if your net income in a year is, say, $8 million after taxes and everything, well, then, then you're fine. You don't really have anything to complain about. Nope. Sorry. You, you, ju you just don't. No. Um... Yeah, <laughs> uh, ten ten percent of uh, eight million is eight hundred thousand. One percent, eighty thousand. Yeah, so obviously, pretty pretty easily, you know, with some real kind of basic kind of elementary level um, financial advice, you make eight million net. Again, net. After tax and fees, I don't really care what your gross wages are. That's kind of irrelevant. What your net income? A few basic investments after just that one year, and there, yep, there, there wouldn't really be a necessity to ever work again. No. Now, if you're spending a hundred thousand dollars a day or something, well, then yeah, the money was obvi would obviously run out. But a few basic investments, securing, you know, yourself. Boom, done. Yeah, you, you you can live a what would be considered upper 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 middle class lifestyle for the rest of your life in perpetuity, and you never have to work another day in your life. So, you know, so so the the sort of the thing with marginal taxes, state taxes, and wealth taxes is that yes, every American would have access to health care, free education. We can also have universal basic income and all that kind of stuff. And the, and the flip side is that there really isn't the flip. That that that's the best part, you, you know. The people paying those taxes are fine, even if the the total amount is big. 
it doesn't really matter. You know, the net income after taxes and fees is gargantuan. You know, hundreds of times more than what the average person makes, and would still afford them fancy houses and fancy cars and fancy vacations all over the world. Their way of life does not change. They may have a slight hit to their ego, if their ego and who they are as a person is, you know, hand in hand, bound with their net worth. You know, and for many in the billionaire class, it it very much is. Donald Trump is the classic example. He defined himself solely and completely by his net worth, his monetary value. That's com entirely how he defines himself. It's not by his character or what his moral or ethical compass is or what he stands for as a human being. It's about he, he promotes himself as a billionaire because that's his entire what he is you know that's everything he's about is just being a wealthy person you know wears nice suits and is supposedly good at business <coughs> so those types of people that would be paying the wealth tax state tax marginal tax their way of life is the same we have a but the working class people have an easier access to education health care you know a safe infrastructure to use roads, bridges, all that kind of thing, you know, up-to-date sewer systems and all those sort of, you know, not the most sexy things, infrastructure, but it's like necessary, the kind of like you need to do it thing. Whether you want to or not, you have to do it, you know. You, you can't just hope that some millionaire asshole pays for the bridge that needs to be repaired in your area or whatever, like, no, we the people need to take care of that because that's what the government is. We elect people to take care of our in interests like that, and those are the kind of nuts and bolts stuff. Health care, schools, you know, health and quality of life of the people in the country. That, that really should be kind of the main focus of government. They really shouldn't be getting into a lot of the other kind of stuff. Republican Party is real good at that, though, at getting into the other stuff that is really kind of irrelevant to most people's day-to-day -day life and kind of tricking people, manipulating people. You know, sadly, some of the people that were most strongly supportive of Donald Trump in 2016 and 2021 were not just the fascist folks, the obvious sort of Nazi, white supremacist dumb shits. Obviously, those folks were going to support Trump. That wasn't a big surprise, you know, the... the you know, the Charlottesville incident where a bunch of Nazis came to town and murdered, and one of them murdered a woman, a very young woman. Yeah, she was run over by a Nazi in a car who uh, drove right into a crowd of people. Yeah, Nazis. Uh, they were very pro-Trump, and they invaded a fucking town. You know, Nazis reared their head. Once again, in, in bold fashion, because Trump was president. So, but that wasn't really, you know, that surprising. That Nazis would be supportive of a racist, vindictive, cruel, fascist dude like Trump. I mean, he's, that seemed pretty clear. What was sad, though, was to see how many people who were boldly declaring themselves as Christians that were supportive of Trump. That, that was the tough one.
that was including now I don't know if my family necessarily voted Trump but they were kind of apologists for him and kind of excused him and tried to defend him and stuff and just yeah no um no I I what I just don't really understand what happened there you know I I don't get it I I don't get where was the schism where people going to church every Sunday reading the Bible reading about the teachings of Jesus thought the person I need to support to be the leader of my country is Donald Trump like whoa what 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 are you doing no, he's the opposite, you know, and and so blatantly so. I mean, I sorted that out when I was like six or seven years old. Rechecked my old Bible that I've had since I was ten. I actually went through confirmation when I was ten. I thought it was actually a smidge older, but I remember it clearly. It was very confirming. And then, you know, there's a certain point for me with like the organizational aspect of church where it kind of got a little redundant, and sometimes it might kind of. Because, you know, people are people and they might get tired of saying the same message over and over and over again. So they'll kind of mix it up and find new ways to put, you know, you can, yeah, I mean, to me the message was fairly basic, do unto others as you do unto you, or, I mean, I don't want to say basic, but it was, it was easy to digest, the, the teachings, and as a young kid, watching a fair amount of TV and then seeing someone like Trump on TV, he was clearly the opposite of what Jesus was teaching. Donald was not the righteous guy. You know, he, he was not a person promoting forgiveness or do unto others as you do unto you or feeding the hungry through the sick. He, he was promoting an opposite way of life. And almost like, in a so overt way, it's almost like he was here to be that. I mean, that's he. Donald Trump is fulfilling his role. He's doing what he was meant to do. To, you know, to promote hatred, to promote ignorance, to promote greed and lust and envy and pride and all that sort of thing, and to sort of be the embodiment of that. And he's been doing it for a long time and now he's a very old man and and we it's like the people we the people living through this era get we get to see what it does to a human being over a long period of time when they embrace such things you know he he took on all of it he embraced all of it man he he and, and with not much to any regard to how it affected others really at all. He just didn't care, you know. And it's just, but he was, again, he was trained to be that way. Donald Trump was trained to be the type of person that he is by his father. He was trained to be vindictive and cruel and uncaring about the consequences of his actions on others. And from that, he, he was rewarded with great riches and great fame. Not a whole lot of respect. There's some people that admire him, and but most people do not. Most people understand what it is and what he represents. And for most people, he's the counter opposite of their core values. You know, 
He's a person that needs praying for. You know, he's a person that needs help. You know, it's but. It, I just feel like it's it might be too late for Trump. I think he's just he's too long in, but you never know. Like I, I, I don't think he even knows how to. To want to be better, even, you know, I don't even know if he knows what better is. His idea of what good is is so inverted from how most people are raised, especially, ironically enough, people raised in the church, that you know his value system is is totally upside down. You know, I don't know how what it would that would help him. He probably needs just needs to be put in a home you know, or something, but all that to say, you know, one of the two options in this country, the Republican Party, is still, for the most part, steadfastly loyal to Trump, you know, creating laws to ban mask mandates because Trump was the guy that said that coronavirus would go away once the sun came out and also told Americans to blench to inject bleach into their veins. After he said those sort of things, hundreds of thousands of people died. Thankfully, not from in injecting bleach in their veins, but no, they did die from Corona, though. You know, so they're kind of the anti-mask uh, spreading of conspiracy theories, propaganda, BS that the vast majority of the country knows is BS, and you know is tired of it. And the people that are in that group aren't necessarily Democrats. I think that's another frustrating thing with the bipartisan thing. Any critique of the Republican Party makes those who are loyal to that organization assume that I or whoever is a Democrat, which I'm not. I'm a, I'm a Christian, also a Sigma Nu, and that's those are the organizations I. I mean, the organization I identify with most is Sigma Nu. That's that's what I am. I am a Sigma Nu. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not a member of any political organization. I did register as a Democrat once, and that was the vote for an independent. So, you know, um, but that's where we are. That's the nature of bipartisanship. It's this or that. And it's also the either or gets in because a lot of the people that vote Republican, it, 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 for them, it came down to an either-or. I mean, to them, it's the, abor the abortion issue is, is, the, is the key one. Because, um, you know, if you're going to give the Cliff Notes version of the New Testament, it's definitely going to be, you know, thou shall not have abortion. And the government should punish those who have abortions. I mean, that's totally like, you know, what Jesus said. Um, but, you know... Laying the sarcasm on thick, but yeah, uh, that there are lots of people who go to church every Sunday and read the Bible and the New Testament specifically, uh, teaching of Jesus, who genuinely think wholeheartedly that the main message in all of that is that the government should punish people who get an abortion. Um, it, I don't, you know, I don't know. Were, were they ever really reading the book? I, I you know, it, it's a one of the world's best sellers of all time you know it's been millions of printings world I mean seems like it would be pretty easy to get your hands on one and, and read it for yourself 
you know? And the New Testament is actually fairly small. It's towards the end of the Bible. The first large, like three quarters of the Bible is uh, Christians refer to as the Old Old Testament. The Jewish people refer to as the Torah, because Jesus was Jewish. Um, but it's just it's strange when people who are so boastful and proud and on national TV broadcasting their views to the world claiming to be a Christian and then the thing that they're most passionate about in life and how they're portrayed in public is the abortion issue. It's just, hmm, I, I just find it odd. Uh, it should just be lower on the list, you know, as far as the government and getting involved in such things, you know, like you believe what you believe and you believe that because you read a very specific chapter and verse in the Old Testament. And that was your interpretation. Although you could read a different chapter and verse, someone else could, and interpret completely different. So it's really just a sort of belief that what I believe should be what the government dictates to the people. And it's just, I, I, I don't understand that. You know, it's just, I don't get it. And that, But because of that, hot button issue. Republicans are, have manipulated millions and millions and millions of people every single election because of that abortion thing. They can just say pro-life. Boom. Just two words. That's all you got to do. And well, I think we should ban abortions. And blah, blah. Even though, even if you have no method for doing such thing, even if you know that that is completely impractical, how do you make a existing medical procedure that is around for many, many, many years illegal. How do you do that? It, it's completely cumbersome and nonsensical, and it's huge, massive government intervention and waste, and what does that truly mean if they're illegal? Like, does that mean that federal officials would be intervening anytime a woman is suspected of being pregnant just to make sure that the pregnancy goes through? That I mean, it gets into some weird stuff as far as government intervention. Promoting your beliefs on the subject, advocating for such, such things, etc., etc., providing other options to the public, great. Getting the government involved to ban a medical procedure, that just seems, it, it, it's just huge, massive government. And it's also something that just, it can't, you can't do it. it you know, we're a first world country, it, you know, it's just, it's an unenforceable law, you know, um, as far as the government getting involved. But, again, for many people, that's, that's the one. That's the one. So as long as the politician says the right thing on that one thing, that's it. Boom. That politician has that voter's vote. Regardless of what that politician does, is nothing regarding abortion, because they're just saying it to say it. And then spends the vast majority of their time spreading propaganda and lies, supporting Donald Trump, cutting taxes to wealthy and corporations, and then cutting funding to Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, public education, and infrastructure. Yeah. So really just spending their time day in, day out, doing things that will benefit wealthy people and the already wealthy, the already powerful, and having zero to possibly even negative effects on the vast working class. You know. Meanwhile, those people that voted for that, those working class people that voted for the Republican, they sleep at night soundly and, and, and just are rest assured 
knowing that they did the right thing because they voted for the so-and-so candidate who said whatever about abortion. Now again, that candidate is not going to do anything with abortion. If they try, the law becomes illegal almost instantly because it, it, it's unenforceable. You can't have a government telling people what sort of medical procedures they can have. It's like, you can't. Like, that's not freedom. You know, regardless of what your views on abortion are, you have every right to advocate, to speak out, to say things, to provide, uh, provide other options. Sex, how about sex education? Access to those kind of things. If you want to promote, oh, well, you should get married first. Well, you can, you can say that. As far as legal requiring and all that, no. Just, you can promote your views. You can speak out. Government doesn't need to get involved, though. So there, there's a lot that's going on right now as far as the two options, the continuing descent of our country, coronavirus, all that, and the madness that we still only have two options, and one of them should not be an option. You know, they represent nothing. They lied to people on a daily basis, and too many working-class people just gobble it up because they're happy that the people like me get mad or something. It's like, we're on the same team, dude, you know? If you're a working-class person, regardless of where you live and what you look like, we're on the same team, regardless of what your political views are. Yeah, even if you voted for Trump, you and I have a similar life than you and Trump. I, I get that that's a hard pill to swallow, but yeah, I just work for a living. That's what I do. But we got to stop being so divided. We've got to stop allowing the Republican Party to allow working-class people to pit themselves against each other and to also to, to deny reality. We can do better. So hopefully we'll get through this corona thing, the Delta variant and all that. It's running rampant. Get vaccinated. It's easy to do now. There's, there's like a surplus of vaccines right now because there was too many people that just never got theirs. And if you ain't vaccinated, wear your mask. Some, you know, do what you got to do. You know, protect yourself and your family and your community. The longer the virus lingers, the more it can mutate. And the harder it will be to prevent the rest of us from dying from it and such. So, you know, do the right thing. Make sure you register to vote as well. God bless. This is Gary, thinking out loud. <laughs>